been asked by Pastor Karabo to to give him a break. <laughs> he has been so faithful with the word during the lockdown until today when the country is now being unlocked. So he said uh, maybe it's the time for him to just take a small break. It's very difficult when you are asked to preach and then you start thinking, where shall I start from? Uh, sometimes you ask yourself, is, is it the right message that I'm going to pick for the church? But then we trust God that uh, his word is inspired. Since his word is inspired, it is profitable for teaching. The Lord sometimes uh, gives you a passage uh, that I'm sure it might help one or two uh, in, the, in the congregation. And that would be great. If, if the word can be spoken and it helps one person, I think that's the greatest thing that would have happened. Um, so this morning, let us pray and commit the word that we are going to receive. Father, we come before your presence in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for your word is sharper than an end to its sword. It pierces to the dividing assumed of born, marrow, soul, and spirit. We thank you, God, for your word is like a hammer. Your word is like fire. Your word will not return to you void. It accomplishes that which you purpose. It is my prayer for this church that, Lord, we might gladly receive your word as you describe in the seed that fell on good soil. It is my prayer, Lord, that you might help us receive gladly your word. For we have prayed in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and worship God through listening to his word. Uh, in the past few weeks, we have been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher. Uh, uh, we have been reading a chapter a day, a chapter a day, until we finish the whole chapter, uh, the whole book. So I also was reading it, and then uh, there's a scripture that I find there that I think it might help us today. We are going to read from the preacher, or from Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11. Then we will uh, expound a little bit on that scripture and how it can inspire us today. If you find Ecclesiastes written by King Solomon, chapter 3, verse 11. I'll read from my scripture here. It's slightly a bit different from what you see on the board, but it's the same thing. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I don't really want to confuse you with a bit of philosophical teaching, but uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is a wonderful observation made by King Solomon about life. We may not be able to be at par with the way he was viewing things because obviously he was given wisdom by God. He was given a measure of wisdom that we that was unparalleled. That was unparalleled. You realize that uh, even kings used to visit to come and find out how he managed things 
how his wisdom was. So in this part of the book, we see him playing with words, writing poetic uh, issues uh, uh, which he was presenting. And today uh, he writes this scripture that he has made everything beautiful in his time. He writes that he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet people, yet men cannot find out or cannot be able to understand what God has done from the beginning. Where is the author coming from? Where is King Solomon coming from? I've got a few points that I want to highlight where he is coming from before he penned this wonderful scripture. First, King Solomon, he has just made us to realize that there is a time for everything. In that passage, if you read from chapter, uh, the first verse from chapter 3, he says uh, something about uh, a great poem about time that he writes. He has just made us to realize that there is a time for everything. The world's most famous poem he penned, uh, even today, when you want to talk about time, I don't think you leave out Ecclesiastes chapter 3, because that is one of the greatest poetic uh, uh, narratives made by King Solomon thousands of years ago, when he said that there is time for everything. There is time to be born, there is time to die, there is time to plant, there is time to pluck up that which is planted. Hey, I love my teacher at primary school sometime back when I was a small boy. He used to make it a point that when we were at assembly, we recite that uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1 to 8. But we would, I think he wanted us to remember that there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Yeah. So, he, 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 and then there's a time of war and a time of peace. That's what we used to know because that's how it ends. Yeah. Verse 1 to 8. This is one of the world's most famous uh, 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 poems as regards time. This is where uh, King Solomon uh, uh, is coming from. He's, he has been explaining, he has been writing about that poem. And then he is about to get to this scripture that we find in verse 11. Since we cannot control time, we must wisely flow with it while we still live. We cannot control time. We must flow with it while we still live. God is also God of time. He is the creator of it. God is the God of time. He is the creator of it. Yeah. Remember, in the book of Daniel, we realize that God can change seasons. He can change times. So God is the creator of time. And Solomon, in his wisdom, writes this passage about time. And as he's writing about this time, we must try and flow what exactly the wisdom he was trying to show us. Secondly, I want you to see that our universe, our universe that we live in has a beginning. If it has a beginning, if it was created, then the beginning must include time. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God, we know our God exists. Hey, this is a bit 
confusing, but I want you to listen very well. Our God exists outside time. Before time was, God was there. I want you to understand it from there. Before time began, before he created day, isn't it that day and night they give us time? Before he created day and night, he was there. So God exists outside time. He doesn't need time. He is the creator of time. This is the background to which Solomon is having when he's about to write this. He's telling us that God existed out of time. At the same time, God made that time. When he created time, when he created day, when he created night, then and he created seasons, then it became obvious he established this law that there's a time for everything. This is God, what he did and what he still can do. And Daniel make us to realize that he is still able to change those times. He is still able to change the seasons. Then, the other thing, third point that I want you to realize is that God created the universe very good. When God created the, the universe, when he created what we see, it was very good. Six times in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, if you read it carefully, if you read it carefully, you realize that when God has finished making something, he says it was so good. It was good. It was good. The last verse, 31, God saw that all he had made, and it was very, very good. It was very good. You know, God, our God would stand and commend himself that this was good. This was so good. So God created the universe very good. It was a perfect creation with no corruption and with no death. This is the background that Solomon is having. The first point I want you to, to make as a background to what is, is, is Solomon is writing is having understood that God is the creator of time and everything. Solomon has gone through the experiences that he lived and experimented with life. He did experiment with life. And he discovered many things. If you read in chapter 1 of that book, you realize that uh, at one point in time, chapter 1, chapter 2, he said there is nothing new that can be done under the earth. He went through all the experiences that you can ever think of. Whatever you can ever think of. If you think of drinking heavily, I think he did it. Because you, if you think of in terms of uh, 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 humanizing, he, he did. He went through that. He went through what basically what you can, whatever you can think. But he says, my wisdom was not taken away from me. I still had my wisdom while he was going through that. So Solomon has gone through the experiences of life, and he has discovered this thing. He has discovered that everything is meaningless. That's why he says everything is meaningless when he's starting his book. In chapter 1, he's talking about everything being meaningless, pleasures being meaningless, wisdom itself and, 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 and folly and stupidity being meaningless, laboring or toiling, laboring, he has found it as being meaningless, riches as being meaningless. That's why he says everything is meaningless. It was his observation about life. This is King Solomon. And then he finally 
labels all those things as chasing after the wind. He describes these other things that you, one can do in life as chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. It cannot give that satisfaction that one can uh, 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 desires. With that small background about King Solomon's observations, in today's scripture, it is my desire to try to endeavor to set out what I see as being meaningful as portrayed in this scripture. So today I, I want to talk about that which is meaningful. If everything else is meaningless, then what is it that is meaningful? Outside Christ, life is meaningless. Let's remember that. Outside Christ, life is meaningless. Outside Christ, there is nothing to talk about. It's chasing after the wind. You can ever do whatever you want to do, but if it is outside Christ, definitely you will come to the conclusion that King Solomon came to. He said, I did everything that I wanted to do under the earth, but I saw that everything was chasing after the wind. So apart from Christ, life is meaningless. In other words, life is only meaningful in Christ. Christ is the author of life. Chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. If you recognize that the he is talking about God, and, and, and God in the beginning made the world. And John, we realize that there was nothing made that was made without Christ. So it was Christ who made the world. So he who made everything beautiful is the author of life and Christ is the author of life. He is life. So apart from Christ, life is meaningless. He made everything perfect. God's works are well done. There is order of things and harmony. You will find beauty in what God has made. The psalmist understands this when we sing, All heavens declare the glory of God. Psalms chapter 19, verse 1. He saw that the heavens are speaking about the wonderful works of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. This is the work of a perfect designer and not an accident as others would have us to believe that the world came by accident, that men to be what you are came by accident. Others want us to believe that it is evolution. People have been evol evolved. It's a pity our school curriculum seeks to teach this. So our children, they will be taken to the cradle of humankind where they will be shown that this is your ancient father. One of them has been given the name of our pastor, Karabo. <laughs> so this is, this is what Karabo was about a million years ago. Now, now he is now able to develop and he has become this. This, let me tell you to the young people, sorry I'm being very honest here. That one, you just have to learn it because that is what the school curriculum says. But it's not so. God created this world in six days according to Genesis chapter 1. He created you perfect. He never created you to, to start becoming a baboon before you become a person. 
Yeah. He, the, the scripture says he made everything beautiful in his time. In, in, in his time, when he created it, when he created the caterpillar, it was the caterpillar as it is. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful handwork that God has made. If you go out there in nature and you see the things God created, they are so wonderful. If you look at the waterfalls, one of the sights I love most is when I'm driving from in, 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 in that road, I think it's in Turkey, drive, going this direction. And I look at the cliff, the, the hills there, and the, how the hills are, are arranged. I just see the beauty that God has made. Or when I'm coming from Jobek and I'm looking at these mountains, this side, and you see the, the olifant snake, yeah. I see that the shape of the, the elephant. And I say, how did these things come to be? God made them perfect in his time. So that's what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying, God, what he makes is meaningful. What God does is meaningful, perfect in its time. I think I'm not wrong to say when God made everything beautiful in his time, this everything included you. You are beautiful. You are great. There's no one like you. You don't need a motivation speaker to come and say to you, you are a great person. Uh, you don't need that. The scripture says it, that you are beautiful just as you are. Amen to that. You are beautiful as you are because God created you. He is perfect. And, and see, when God created birds, he made them. He, he was so happy and he even commented it was so good. When God created the flowers, he said they were good. And remember Christ our Lord. Christ our Lord. He comments and even says, you see the flowers of the field. King Solomon, with all his majesty, he has never reached that part of beauty that is in the lily flower. Our Lord comments on that. He is the one who inspired King Solomon to write this words. And yet, he, he is the one who can explain to us. That's why he says, King Solomon in all his majesty. What I'm saying is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 29 to 30. Let's just read it so that we can be together to see how God views his creation. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. That's the Lord commenting uh, when he was explaining about King Solomon. Uh, if you are there, uh, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 29 to 30. Uh, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store any barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Verse 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. King Solomon in all his riches, he cannot reach the perfection of God. So what God creates is meaningful. What God has done is meaningful because God created you and made you the way you are. You are an exhibition of God's perfect perfection in terms of creation. To find 
Meaning, therefore, in life, we must seek the Creator first. To find meaning in life, we must seek the Creator first. You see, this is what King Solomon is discovering. In his wisdom, he has discovered that everything is chasing after the wind. But there's one thing that is not chasing after the wind. It is to find the Creator. The Creator, a relationship with the Creator, will restore meaning about life. Otherwise, if you do not do that, it is you are finishing your life chasing after what King Solomon said. There is nothing new that is being done under the earth. And Christ our Lord gives us a, a, a word about this when he finally concludes and he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Christ says it. Seek ye first. When you seek first the kingdom of heaven, you will find meaning about life. My point two, after this point that I've been trying to elaborate about Christ being the one who has meaning, meaning in our lives, Christ, outside Christ, life is meaningless. Meaning of life, we can only find it when we are in Christ. Number two, that we find in this scripture, eternity is meaningful. Eternity is meaningful. Look at this scripture. When he has finished to say he has made everything beautiful in his time, what does he do next? He pauses and then he says, also, he has put eternity into men's heart. God has put eternity into men's heart. In other words, when we are talking about eternity, we are talking about the period beyond this present time. Our God has deeply rooted the idea of eternity in every human heart. A normal human being feels about the need of life living forever. Eternity is there in every human being. I'm sure at hospitals, uh, our medical uh, sisters that we have here, when they are that side, they see that people long to live and they are not sure about where life is going when they are not alive. Some people even refuse to die. You've seen it, people refusing to die. Fighting. My wife tells, tells me that some people really fight or they don't want to go. You've heard some other people saying, let him go, let him go. Where? We are people who have a deeply rooted desire or, 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 or some instinct about eternity in us. This God created in us. It is not there in animals. That's why you can kill an animal, slaughter an animal for food, and your conscience still remains all right. It's not there. But in people, you have seen it even in our, the way we are staying. Suppose someone has been murdered. You find in our cultures, people, they even go to put a cross at the point where he was murdered, or they go to, they will tell you that if it is these people, they will come and do some ceremony there and perhaps pick up his spirit. Why? Because in us there is that room for eternity that exists. That deeply rooted feeling or it's there. God created it. He has put eternity in the hearts 
of men. I want you to realize that when God has created men, as a, when God created men, He created him as a complex being. He's a complex unit because there is the body that he has, there is the soul, there is the spirit. Never mind uh, uh, the other uh, differences that might exist in whether man is 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 composed of only the soul and the, the body or the soul and the spirit. But that part is there. God made man a complex human being, uh, comprising of body, soul, and spirit. The heart is not the physical organ that we are talking about there, but it is the control center of a person and the seat of his thoughts, attitudes, and motivations and actions. So, in that heart, God has put that desire, that deeply root for eternity. Humans made in the image of God are built with this internal sense of the eternal. So that part must be filled. If it is not filled, that part, people end up even worshipping idols because they think that is what is eternal. If that part is not put, people end up worshipping even cows. You know people who worship cows, they follow the cows and they even in my culture where we come from they can even ask the cow to take care of the of the of the family the cows they say the cow is apple is not they can even come and when they are about to 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 open the crow for them they they call the cow by the name of the great uh, grandfather they say you can hear and sometimes the the cows are following and they are listening and the, and that cow is leading the others it's there spiritism is there you know, if, if that part of eternity is not filled with the true gospel, the devil will take advantage of that and give you his own views. You know, his own views. You go to the people of the Far East, they are worshipping a very big statue they call Buddha. He's sitting like this. And the people are, if you look at the Indians, they are, they are coming with the, the, all sorts of things because that part is deeply rooted in all of us. God has put that eternity message in us and it must be filled with the proper gospel it must be filled if it is not filled you know you know even the lord explained that someone who has been cleansed the demons have left him if that part is not filled christ says that demon is going to look for bigger demons that are more powerful to come and occupy that space is not so in other words in us there is that space for God. There is that space where we desire to live forever. Eternity. It is there in us. Now, I want you to realize something. Eternity, when we talk about eternity today, it is synonymous with Christ. When we talk about eternity, because Christ is eternal, he has no beginning, he has no end. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So our Lord, being eternal, he lives forever. He is the only one who can answer what we mean by eternity is the only one who can satisfy us about eternity death and agony uh, uh, are there when christ is not there yeah last week uh, the two weeks ago our pastor was teaching about uh, the the end part of the book of john 
we were able to understand in 1 John 5 verse 20 that and we are in him who is true even in his son Jesus Christ he is the true God and eternal life even eternal life so Christ is eternal Christ is forever Christ is the only one who can satisfy man and meaning we can only find it in Christ eternity that he has put in us must be filled by the knowledge of God if it is not filled by the knowledge of God we are doomed so God has put this desire in us and it is only him who can fill it, fill it up remember in John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not die but he have everlasting life but he have eternal life so the eternity is only in Christ I want to my third point that I want to raise is, in, in, is to answer the question what must be our response to eternity what must be our response to eternity if eternity is real and if eternity is meaningful what must be your response and my response if you have known and tested that God is good then live as a, t a citizen of God's people with God's people live as a citizen of above we were once far away and now we have now access to the Father by one spirit so says Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 uh, verse 17 and 18 we must live as citizens of heaven like Abraham in Hebrews 11 verse 10 he looked forward to a city whose foundations and whose architect and builder was God Abraham lived in tents he never built himself a beautiful mansion he lived in tents and the reason is what is explained in Hebrews that he looked for a seed he was going about in those mountains looking for a city whose builder and the architect whose foundations were made by God look he lived as a citizen of the kingdom so you having believed your response to this eternity message is you must live as a citizen of the kingdom keep watching and praying because if we do we, we, because we do not know when the Lord is coming to fetch us home to you my friend who may not have believed where will you spend eternity that eternity message is still ringing in you but where will you spend that eternity I tell you the truth whosoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me he has eternal life and will not be condemned he has crossed from death to life these are the words said by the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 5 verse 24 so to those who have not believed this is your opportunity to get that empty space filled the message of eternity is real the message of eternity is real and Christ says he is eternal he gives eternal life eternity is meaningful and eternity is in Christ finally let me finish off this message by saying 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 it says 
We fix our eyes not on what is seen. What is seen is meaningless. The pleasures of this world are meaningless. The riches of this world are meaningless. The toiling of this world is meaningless. If all these things are done apart from Christ, if they are done outside Christ, they are meaningless. And this is what Solomon desired to show us, that if you do these things without Christ, they are meaningless. You have to let Christ lead you. And if you do that, if with Christ giving him his position, then Christ changes your viewpoint. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.18. What is unseen lives forever. And that, that which lives forever, we have said eternity is in Christ. He put eternity into man's heart. That eternity can only be filled by Christ. Eternity is in Christ. Eternity is real. And start your work of preparing for it today by embracing Christ. Let's do that and life will be meaningful. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word because you have made everything beautiful in this time. We are the work of your hands, your perfect creation. Help us realize that, Father, we, are, we owe you to live a life that reflects Christ. We owe you, Lord, to worship you and thank you for graciously calling us, O God, Lord, to, to believe the gospel. It is my prayer, Lord, that you might help us and please, Lord, continue to make this word alive in us to realize that one day, where are we going to spend our eternity? Help us, O oh God, realize that in Christ you have done it for us. It is not by our, our works, but what Christ has done. Thank you for this beautiful passage we have just read from the book of uh, uh, Ecclesiastes. We are so grateful. I pray for this church. Help us make us strong to realize that we need to walk humbly daily with you. We have prayed in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen.